This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, let's get going on a Monday. It's a Calgary Flames game day. Flames in our nation's capital. Getting set to finish off this road trip against the Sens tonight. Coming off one of their biggest offensive outputs of the season. In a 7-2 matinee blowout against the Buffalo Sabres. They'll look for more of that offense tonight against the 24-24-3 Ottawa Senators. This is Sportsnet Today here on Sportsnet 960. The fans, Logan Gordon, along with you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in beautiful Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And uh, another early start out east means just an hour of Sportsnet Today on this Monday. But of course, we will chat with Peter Labardius to get you your Flames fix in just moments. Reaction from Saturday's win against Buffalo. I'll look ahead to this matchup against the Ottawa Senators. And uh, in the second segment, we will dive into what was an outstanding Super Bowl victory last night for the Kansas City Chiefs in Arizona over the Eagles. Andy McNamara going to join us coming up a little bit later on the show. But let's kick things off going down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline and saying hello to our Flames analyst and the color voice of the Calgary Flames, here on Sportsnet 960, the fan, he is Peter Labardius, and he joins us every single day, courtesy of our friends at the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations, this should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group now offers air miles, reward miles. You can visit them at thegeminigroup.ca. Good afternoon, Lou. How are you, sir? I am fine. I am fine. Uh, back to it for the Calgary Flames tonight against Ottawa. They're finishing off this road trip, and they'll look to do it with two straight wins after a big output on Saturday morning slash afternoon against the Buffalo Sabres. Take me back to, to Saturday and what you saw in the final 40 minutes from this group that helped them to that win. Well, I'm not even sure, Logan, I would even start with the last 40. I thought there was a lot about what they did in the first period. Uh, the scoreline didn't reflect it. Uh, nobody on planet Earth is stopping Tage Thompson shot, and it's debatable on the other one. But he only gave up three in the entire period. So, and you generated three or four quality scoring chances yourself. Um, there was a lot of angles for me coming out of the game, and one of those always is with this team. You know, we talked a lot both you and I on Friday and then again Saturday morning on the pregame show about, you know, what allows this team to be effective offensively. Well, you know, Saturday was a game where many people figured in to the end result in terms of production. There were several multi-point games. There were career highs for Dylan Dubé. There was a first Jacob Pelche, who I think in many ways kick-started the emotion of the group um, with his first ever National Hockey League goal and a wonderful play where he's back deep in his own zone. 
to look after business and then races up the ice, beats his forward to the net. Kadri lays a lovely saucer pass in his cape, and he makes no mistake short side on Uka Pekka Lukanen. And the one thing I would add about that, and there's that's that's why, Logan, sometimes when we go general, I'm like, well, I'm just going to fill the whole hit um, because in a game like the other day, there's about 27 different places to go. Um, but I thought the Pelche goal in many ways, and all I had to do was watch the reaction of the bench and his line mates, the guys on the ice and the guys when they got back to the bench. And I think this is really important and it's probably not going to get talked about anywhere else, but players of a veteran nature will gravitate to young players and sometimes they won't. And it's based on how they go about their business the respect level that they show and on top of that you know players know players know who puts in the work players know who has a chance to be pretty good going forward and so on that reaction I saw a lot and in having some history and watching this young man for a number of years now and talking to whether it's Al Miller of Hockey Canada whether it's Andre Tournier, the head coach in Arizona, Scott Salmon, like go on and on about people that have dealt with him personally and, you know, in good settings. You get nothing but this. They rave about him as a teammate. They rave about his work ethic. They rave about his intelligence and his versatility. And so, I thought that got the ball rolling. It never hurts when you follow one up 20 seconds later. But, you know, on a hockey, what they did best, the forecheck was good. They made life miserable in that second period on Buffalo's defense. And that was not the case, certainly anywhere near to that point. It's a hard game to play, Logan, when even some of the best young defensemen in the world, and Darlene, again, even on what I'm sure was not one of his best days of the year, that guy is a stud. And power is on his way to being a superstar as well. Mm-hmm. well the Buffalo Sabres have a lot going for them. But the Flames just kept rolling at them and good shift and building good shift after good shift were too much. And, you know, they took advantage of it. Uh, the goalie was a little leaky at times, which certainly didn't hurt. And voila. You know, a game where they explode, you know, for seven when it's all said and done and get contributions from a lot of different places. And one of the places they got those contributions from were, you know, not always the guys that we talk about the most. And it's interesting, you had a great conversation uh, we'll hear in full during Flames warm-up, as you always do in the coaches show with Kale McLean, assistant coach of the Calgary Flames. And, you know, sort of diving into some of those guys, Lou, that, that were big for this team on Saturday and can be big for this team going forward that maybe we don't always think about and talk about when we, we look at this Flames forward group specifically. Well, and what Logan is alluding to to our listeners is there's no doubt about it. You know, center ice play was excellent, whether it was Kadri, because I thought his group with Pelche and Huberto really got the ball rolling 
Um, what Lindholm was able to do between Dubé, who had a career-high four points, and Toffoli, who had his third multi-goal game and also added an assist. Um, Logan, there was one winger in the lineup, in, if you will, the team's top three lines that didn't have a point. And that was Andrew Mangiapane, who I thought played a very, very solid game. So their winger play, and, and Daryl has pointed to that, you know, haven't been around him much in the last what feels like forever, but he had been harping early on in the season about, you know, they needed more consistency from their wingers. Well, nobody's been more consistent than Blake Coleman as of late, um, who is on some tear and playing great hockey, the backland line. You know, with Mangiapane, who has seven points in his last seven games, you know, Backlund's on a great run. But right through the groupings the other day, it was a very quality performance by the wingers. And here was Cale McLean, who certainly uh, broke it down that way. And, and it's why I love the opportunity in my job to talk with coaches, because he went to that place in a place where I knew guys were good, but did they drive the bus? And he thought it was those guys offensively that were better and drove the bus. Yeah. I, I think that our game is always going to revolve around our centers. If we play the right way, I think that every NHL team would tell you that in terms of how we're going to get the puck down the ice, how we're going to transport, and um, be effective uh, with, you know, speed all the way through the middle of the ice. But we had wingers that really made plays in terms of poise on the walls, in terms of entry plays to get into the offensive zone, and in terms of finish plays. And uh, you can see when you start to fire on all cylinders, we have guys that can really make plays. And I thought that our, our awareness on the wings and on the walls was really good and it it really gave us positive results. We generated a lot from being prepared for the pressure that we were going to face. So I don't know if you could get a better breakdown than that. And yes, it was a very solid day and it was for Backlund, Lindholm and Kadri as well, not to mention Trevor Lewis, who's just steady Eddie of the forward group in so many ways with his 11 minutes. Um, and how I asked the question to him, Logan, and you can respond however you like, was, you know, when we came into this season, led by the center ice position, I really felt that this team had an opportunity, even on the road, to get some matchup advantages, regardless sometimes of what other coaching staffs would have prepared. Well, when the centers are good and the wingers are equally as good, this becomes a very difficult team to deal with. And Saturday, maybe to put a bow on Saturday and to get your thoughts on it, was one of those days where, you know, you could not look at anyone in, if you will, that top nine group in particular and go, they weren't pretty close to being at the top of their game and you know the buffalo sabers not taking anything away from the flames mm -hmm. but 
you know, they hadn't they hadn't played hockey in 11 days, and the Flames made them pay and took full advantage. But the Flames would have been a difficult team for just about everybody when they get that type of play out of their lineup. Yeah, and we've talked about it at different times this year, Lou. I don't know that there's ever been enough, at least in the you know 50-some games that we've seen from this team, where... You know, Saturday's game is is sort of the exception because a lot of guys were pulling on the rope in the same direction on Saturday. And at times it's been, okay, well, the back one line with Coleman and Manjapani's done it. Or Kadri's line has done it at times. But Saturday was a really good example of how good this team can be if they are able to roll four lines. If they are able to get a couple of these lines going at the same time. I feel like that's been something that's missing from their game. Well, it is, and so much of it isn't just about the production. It is about how they play and what gives them the ability to be successful. And again, I use this word a lot in assessing the sport. You know, how do you come out of your own zone together? How do you kill plays in your zone? You know, do you get pucks in behind people and make life difficult? Is your forecheck connected are your reloads and what reloads mean is when you force a turnover and you come back and you get it back now what do you do with that but they made plays this group for me is not a group on a consistent basis that makes enough plays and you know one of the other storylines in a pre-game show logan and we touched on it on this hit on friday too was absolutely for things to change you needed more than one group to bring their best to the table. And that's, you know, been the backland line as of, le- as of late. Well, they were far from the only grouping the other day that brought their best. How important is it for you, Lou, for them to, to bring some, and, and we've had this conversation a lot uh, about momentum and, and game to game, but I'm bringing this to you from a, a consistency standpoint. I'm not expecting them to do everything and to score seven again tonight, but how important is it for them to show some consistency in back-to-back games? We're still talking about a team that hasn't won more than three in a row this season. Well, I'll just assess it this way, Logan, and again, I always like your take on it too as well as mine. While while Saturday is the blueprint – of what it looks like when, you know, your top people are all at a really high level and chipping in and contributing. For me, it's consistency is how you settle in in the middle. It's not about the low. It's not about the high. It's finding, you know, more B and B plus games or A minus rather than A-plus and C's and D's and E's and F's. That, to me, is the mark of consistency. You know, tonight, they're going to face a different type of challenge. They're at the end of a trip. Um, They're playing in a building that, you know, notoriously can not have a lot of juice. You're going to have to create some of it. And as we're going to hear again from Kale McLean shortly, not quite yet, we'll get more into the Senators in just a second, it's it's these massive swings, Logan, from game to game. 
you know, I, I don't think that they're going to go out on a regular basis and start beating people six or seven or five two. But I, you, you just you can't go from one extreme to the other. That is not extremes are not consistent. Consistent is, you know, give me your B plus more often than not, and let's see what happens from there. Well, let's talk about that Flames opponent tonight, Lou. It is the Ottawa Senators coming uh, off of a loss for them. It's been a disappointing season in the nation's capital. They spent a lot of resources and money in free agency and trades, whether it be Alex Dabrinkit coming into town, signing Claude Giroux after his uh, quick tenure in Florida after the trade deadline. They were certainly hoping for better results than a 24-24 and three record through 51 games. They currently sit 24th overall in the entire NHL. But uh, as we've talked about at different points this year in the league, you know you can't really take anybody for granted, no matter where they are in the standings. Well, it's not like this team is 15 games below 500 either. No. I seem to be talking about this a lot, and the reason is is that they're going through you know, the East again, and they're going through the Atlantic division. And so that is a factor, you know, right now they're down to arguably goalie number four on the depth chart. They're going to go with former medicine hat tiger and Danish product, Matt Sogard and just his second ever national hockey league start tonight between the pipes. They, you know, have been without Josh Norris for the majority of the year they're still looking for more stability on the back end um logan i if if i had a way to stop this i would but just because teams you know bring in some different and better pieces doesn't mean they're ready to contend and that doesn't mean that this year has been a loss for ottawa either You know, look at Tim Stutzla, just as an example. You know, he is really turning into the type of, you know, elite winger that I thought he was going to be coming out of his draft. He has been dynamite. You know, no Jake Sanderson tonight, who I think is going to be a star on this league on defense. Um, You know, we know what Brady Kachuk is, and he's just going to get better and feistier and harder to deal with with every passing year. But their defense is still, for me, a work in progress. And until you solidify that top four and five and your goaltending isn't banged up and injured, I think you're, you have a tough time being able to contend in the National Hockey League or, frankly, in any hockey league of any significant nature. They're not there yet. They have Shabbat. They have Sanderson. I really like Artem Zoo. But, you know, they have some other people there that aren't quite ready yet to be slotted properly and that for me when I look at Ottawa is and again look at the people in that division you have to check a lot of nights no thanks that's not easy that's that's you're going to get burned in that fire a lot so 
still think the strides are good. I still think that they're very much moving in the right direction. As always, they're going to have some difficult decisions to make. And, you know, as sport fans, sports fans, and I put myself right at the front of that line, I don't think you go to the word patience in the dictionary and then have invested sports fans with their pictures lined up everywhere. No, you certainly don't. Everyone uh, wants the process uh, as fast as possible, and that's not always the easiest thing to do. And uh, as we hear from uh, Kale McLean one more time before we, we end off today, Lou, it's still a team that, that they see a lot of danger in, especially in that top six, and uh, they're expecting a, a good pushback from a, an Ottawa team tonight that you know is going to be ready for the Flames. Here's Kale McLean on Ottawa. Well, they're, they're top six heavy in terms of skill. You know, when you when you look at uh, Stutzla and Tachuk with Joseph flying down the wing, and then you look at uh, Claude Giroux, and you have Debrinkat on either wing with Greg. So they're really they're really explosive up front, and obviously the minute muncher in uh, Shabbat in the back who can single handedly uh, control plays offensively. So there's no shortage of talent there. But what Ottawa presents as a challenge is they're a team that's got some good edge to them, and they've got a lot of effort and second effort to their game. So when they're playing, they're not only playing fast and long with, um, with uh, you know, wings slashing and trying to get into the offensive zone with either possession or a lot of pressure on the puck, but they're also going to do it in a way where they're going to second effort that play. So even if you think you're there to kill it, you got to make sure you stick around and you really – work hard to finish the job. That's a, that's a challenge they present. Um, we know that that same kind of mentality is going to translate into how they want to get to the net. Uh, we know that the Chuck family loves to be around the net. So we've got to be prepared for that kind of thing. And um, so I think that's, that's what it is. Lou is just a, a game where they have talent, but they play it fast and they really work at it. So we've got to be prepared to finish plays, make sure we're, we're not only killing a play, but we're making our next possession a real positive one so that we don't fuel them on that second and third effort. And of course, Logan, in closing, because I know you got to get to the Super Bowl and other things. The reason at times the Calgary Flames this season have struggled, and even in the past, as we know about the bubble year and the setback that Ottawa in particular delivered is the Flames' battle level and compete did not match Ottawa's. If it does tonight, they'll win. If they don't, they probably won't. Lou, have a great call. We'll hear you on Flames warm up a little later on with Pat, hey? Fantastic. Thank you. Take care. Pete Labardius. Color voice of the Calgary Flames here on Sportsnet 960 joins us every single day to kick off the program. He is brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit the Gemini Group.ca. We'll break down the Super Bowl win for the Kansas City Chiefs next with Andy McNamara. That's coming up on Sportsnet 960, the fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, the fan.
Clock is going to be out of time, and the pass is going to be underthrown. It's incomplete. It's incomplete. Everyone, everyone who claims the Chiefs' kingdom will raise a banner above the National Football League again for the second time in four seasons. The Lombardi Trophy has a red and gold reflection, a big red reflection. The Chiefs are champions of Super Bowl 57. That was the call on Kansas City Chiefs radio. What a game in Arizona. Patrick Mahomes with his second Super Bowl MVP performance, helping Kansas City down the Philadelphia Eagles 38-35 on Sunday. Welcome back to Sportsnet today. It's Logan Gordon along with you. Just steering away from the Flames for a little bit on a game day here to chat about uh, the Super Bowl last night and uh, some NFL offseason topics and whenever we... uh, we want to chat some football. There's no one better to chat with uh, as we go down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline. Welcome in our pal. Welcome you know, usually you usually know him as our fantasy football guru, uh, but we do chat the, all things NFL and non fantasy with him as well. Uh, Andy McNamara joining us this afternoon. AMC, how are you, pal? Logan, good buddy, good. Been a while. Hope everyone's doing well. That was uh, quite the Super Bowl yesterday. It sure was. What did you make of that performance? It was uh, as good a game as I can remember in the last. Uh, a little while as far as Super Bowls go. Oh, yeah. Apparently, I think second highest scoring Super Bowl uh, of all time. The, the unfortunate part is that the the two situations right near the end were pretty underwhelming, and that was that ticky-tack holding pull of the jersey call. And then, I got to say, Jalen Hurts, love you, buddy. What, what was that Mr. Burns from the Simpsons-esque <laughs> Hail Mary throw? Well, it's... Couldn't you just hear like a, uh, it's like, what? What was that? It was terrible. But other than that, fantastic game. <laughs> if you're the Philadelphia Eagles, what else can you do? You dominated time of possession. I, I guess you're, you're looking for your defense to make a stop in the second half. But, I mean, offensively, you held the ball as much as you could. They just didn't seem to have any answer for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs when it came down to the second half. I'll say this. I think the MVP of that Super Bowl, was the Chiefs' offensive line, period, period. Mm -hmm. And the reason is, you had that Eagles defense, prolific, near historic, sacks everywhere, can send everyone all over. Not one sack. Wow. Like, that is next level. I don't think that's being talked about enough. You you had that defense. The offensive line made that game and is, is the most deserving MVP of that championship coming off of that and, and stopping the Eagles. Absolutely sensational. On the other side, how impressed were you with uh, with Jalen Hurts? Uh, Patrick Mahomes said it, I thought, great post game when asked about the performance of the Eagles quarterback and saying, hey, if there's any doubters left, uh, there shouldn't be. He was tremendous and I think did pretty much everything he could to get Philly another championship. Oh, he sure did. This is not on Jalen Hurts. I know he fumbled and went back for a touchdown, but you look at a guy, and this is the question going in. For Patrick Mahomes, it was, okay, he had won a Super Bowl and lost a Super Bowl. He had seen and experienced both sides of the Super Bowl. Jalen Hurts, young guy, and he had not. So you you come out of that game with four total touchdowns, threw one, ran for three, but the best part to me was zero interceptions. Outside, you know, and you can't take away the fumble, one for a touchdown, of course, but zero interceptions from that quarterback 
Um, throwing it the most that, that he had uh, almost all season long. And the way he ran and distributed the ball. And outside of that first drive, that first drive, you looked a little, that whole offense looked a little shaky, a little nervous. That's fine. Then they settled right down and went to it. Jalen Hurts is a heck of a talent. And he's somebody, Logan, we've talked about multiple times on this show over the past couple of years where I love Jalen Hurts before the draft, before he was drafted. I said from the very beginning, before he entered the NFL, his arm talent was underrated and that he needed to progress and be taught. And his ascension, while not maybe as dramatic on the passing side, is very Josh Allen-esque to me. Allen was more raw coming out of college than Jalen Hurts. But you took guys who needed some, needed to land in the right situation and be able to grow. And you just see that if you're looking at a line chart, you are seeing that curve go up. And the scary thing is this guy hasn't even peaked. Like Jalen Hurts hasn't yeah. peaked yet. This, yeah. guy's, this guy's entering his prime. He's not in his prime. So I, I, and the state of the NFC, look at the NFC, really. Um, th- there's nothing to suggest why the Eagles shouldn't be right back in this situation next year. You know, and I was looking at it today, and of course, uh, as many people whose teams have been out of it for a while now, post-Super Bowl, you start looking at, at the mock drafts and where everything's going to go and how it's all going to work out. And then you go and you see, oh, the Philadelphia Eagles just happen to have a pick thanks to the New Orleans Saints uh, that lands them in the top 10 of the upcoming draft. So they're going to add some more top-level talent on a rookie contract and put that in the right spot, Andy, and all of a sudden you're thinking, I wouldn't have to squint very hard to see the Eagles back in this position not all that long in the future. Not at all. And you look at it on the, the uh, DraftKings Sportsbook, the future's odds, because we can be degenerates and look ahead to <laughs> the next Super Bowl already. Why not? Exactly. Why not, right? Yeah. Eagles plus 900, favorites are the Chiefs, then the Bills, then the 49ers, Bengals, and Eagles are both uh, tied for third at plus 900. But you're right. Look, you add to the right spot with a top 10 talent with a, a team coming off of the Super Bowl. On the, and the key is there. You said it. Rookie quarterback contract. That's the window you got to win in, typically. It, it, ha- it does happen, of course. We just saw it with Patrick Mahomes. But when you get into that big chunk money where like Patrick Mahomes is in and that, that second contract, that's when it becomes a lot more difficult because so much, much of the financial resources have to be delegated to the quarterback. But here, you're right in it. And like I said, like Jalen Hurts is only going to get better. So you add, like, where do you want to add to them? Do you want to make the defense even stronger? Uh, I would think maybe you look at the offensive line, maybe you want to make sure that gets shored up a little bit, right? You mm-hmm. Do that, you're fine at running back, fine at receiver. You know, tight ends, you're set. There's not a lot of holes, and you can add a top talent. So they're they're in a really good spot. When you look at the Kansas City Chiefs and what they've done in Patrick Mahomes' early tenure as a starting quarterback, Andy, are you putting them in the dynasty category, or does there still need to be more before you put that term with this team? They're knocking right on that door of dynasty. Right there. Not yet. Like, for me, I guess it depends what your definition of dynasty mm-hmm. is. Right? Like you could look at let's say the 1990s Atlanta Braves, right? Ladies tonight. They only won, I think, like one World Series, but they were in the World Series all the time. Jays beat them once, you know, but they never, is that a dynasty? They were amazing, for, but they only won like one title. So is that a dynasty or is it like, do you have to win three? To me, my definition of a dynasty is three within, eh, let's say a decade. That's, that's kind of dynasty-ish. So I think they need one more, but they're knocking right on the door. And what was really impressive to me with this Chiefs team all year they started the year, no Tyree Kill. That offense looked uh, off for the first quarter of the year, right? Looked like, okay, who are we? We know we have Travis Kelsey, 
we got a bunch of running backs who are okay. We got Patrick Mahomes and then guys. So how do, and they were able to work it out and make it so that okay, it became actually a uh, a benefit to them because teams didn't know who else really to cover. Like you could make three, four different guys a target and a star outside of Travis Kelsey on any given day. So to their credit, that coaching and like I said, that offensive line. Um, just did an absolutely remarkable job. They revamped it. That was the weakness in the last in the last Super Bowl that they lost to Tampa Bay, where Mahomes was running for his life behind the line of scrimmage. Looked like the kindergarten with the crayon, right? Remember, like 200 yards behind. <laughs> like, ah, yeah. right. But they fixed it. They fixed it. And now what I think we're going to see more of is that mercenary type, because so much money is tied into Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. So now we're going to see those guys on defense or offense, those one-year guys, right? Those Indomitian Sioux, those um, Von Miller types where it's like, all right, we're going one year to win a title and boom. And that's how you keep that salary cap in check. You get these hard hitters one more year and, and off you go. So they're still in a great spot. And it seems like, although they were very happy they won that, it almost was like they weren't satisfied, which I thought was interesting. And that's, that's what you need if you want a dynasty. You can't be satisfied. Yeah, for all the great yeah, talent that, great that talent you that, know, Mahomes has had around him. I was most impressed with this year, Andy, that he had become a star maker for those around him. And what I mean is exactly what you talked about there, that they came in without Tyreek Hill. And I think management and Andy Reid were able to look at it and say, look, we don't need guys to be, you know, clean. we don't need a Devontae Adams. We don't need a Tyreek Hill because Patrick Mahomes has the ability to make these guys into whatever we need them to be. You still have to have talent. Don't get me wrong. Juju Smith-Schuster is a great receiver. Sky Moore is going to be a great receiver in this league, I think. But I think Mahomes is turning into that guy that can make stars around him regardless of who it is. It doesn't have to be a Tyreek Hill sitting at the wide receiver one spot for KC going forward. Yeah, totally agree. Um, I think the one thing they have to keep an eye on is while 33 isn't old, it's also not young. And that's the age of Travis Kelsey, who's been playing at the highest of levels for years. At some point, we're going to start to see that tip and start to go on the decline. Is it next year? Is it the year after? Hard to say. So I think for the Chiefs, what they have to also keep in mind is, all right, you want to maybe start to look at whether it's tight end or otherwise bring in and whether it's through the draft or, or whatever it might be, try to start to have that little bit of a um, uh, that fill-in, that, that guy, okay, we need to bring somebody else along just in case, just when maybe Kelsey starts to go in the decline, we don't really miss a step. Where is Travis Kelsey in the greatest tight end conversation for you? Boy, he's got, okay, so who are we looking at? We're looking at Gonzalez, Gronk, uh, Antonio Gates, uh, Ozzy Newsom. Um, boy, he's got to be right up there, right? Like Hall of Famer, no doubt, first ballot, mm-hmm. I think already. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a question. Uh, I, I put him right at the top. It's the, the recency bout. Like you got to, you got to have him right up there with Gronk. I put him ahead of Antonio. G- is in, see, Gonzalez is interesting. Tony Gonzalez because he sort of revolutionized the position. Right? He turned that sort of like that what we talk about now that basketball sort of frame and sort of re- turned the tight end spot from a blocker to a true receiver. Uh, Ozzy Newsom did that too, but. So I don't know how far you can put him. I put him right. He's close, and he has time to, to really take a hold of that and become the true number one. 
Yeah, it's interesting just looking at him. Travis Kelsey just surpassed Gronk in, in games played. He's still he'll definitely catch Antonio Gates. He's about uh let's call it fifteen hundred yards off of Gates all time receiving yards in way less games. But the only thing he really trails in, which is surprising to me, it wouldn't have been the stat that I guessed he would be behind in. It, it touchdown, receiving touchdowns. You know, Gates finished with 116. That's obviously, you know, the record for a tight end. Gonzalez was over 111 and Gronk finished you know, with 92, Kelsey just at 69. Uh, that's, you know, interesting to see that he trails in that. But, yeah, he's got to be in the conversation, I think. If he hasn't already secured a, uh, you know, a Hall of Fame spot, he's pretty damn close. That seems, yeah, that seems low. I, I'm, I'm with you. That seems, that seems low just to have it at the 69. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. You know, I'll say this. I think with this win, um, you put Patrick Mahomes, to me, ahead of Aaron Rodgers. I think he's leapfrogged him, and I don't think it's a question. Another Super Bowl, I think legacy-wise, if we're ranking guys and we're you know looking guys who have played or, or recent, um, you put Patrick Mahomes ahead of Aaron Rodgers. Whereas going into this, I thought they would maybe legacy-wise be sort of equal. But you have the extra Super Bowl. You've been to one more. You've won an extra one. You have the multiple MVPs. And you really seem to have it more about Mahomes still seems, at least outwardly, more of a team guy. Maybe he'll age into a curmudgeon like uh, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, perhaps, who's just a just a jerk. Like he's such a jerk, you kind of you almost kind of enjoy him. But like, I think a guy like that, he surpassed Aaron Rodgers. Like, there's no, like, I, I just think from the winning to um, the Super Bowl appearances to just the the statistics, um, to me that jumped in my mind last time. Like, I think he's leapfrog. He's in that rare air now of multiple Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. Uh, Chanting all things Super Bowl and NFL with our pal Andy McNamara. He's our general NFL fantasy guru. You hear him every week during the NFL season with uh, Ask Andy and our best fantasy football advice. He's also the host of the Sick Podcast with Andy McNamara, your leading uh, Browns podcast across the NFL. Just a couple more for you, Andy, before we let you go here uh, on a Monday. Appreciate the time, as always, pal. Uh, Speaking of Aaron Rodgers, we got a report this week that the New York Jets came calling to see what the cost might be to acquire Aaron Rodgers. How do you feel about that if you were looking at it from a Jets perspective that they might bring in a guy like Aaron Rodgers to compete for a year or two? It's kind of funny because he would be following the Brett Favre pattern, the mm-hmm. Bay quarterback pattern. <laughs> then he just needs to end up with the, the Vikings and he calls it a day, right? <laughs> <laughs> then then just keep the camera away from uh, the, the nether regions there, Aaron, and you'll be okay. You exactly, don't, yeah. Don't go there after. Yeah, just play cool after. But like, uh, yeah, if you look, so if we look at this Jets lineup, really with the quarterback situation, for them to get seven wins was pretty remarkable. And for most of the season, they, they held their own. So you have to look at it. Okay, are you a quarterback away from contending in the super tough AFC East, which has New England always a tough out? Miami's going to be tough. Bills are the cream of the crop for that division. Um, I think you could be. And if you're the Jets, I guess you got to figure, okay, if we think we are are we the one quarterback away at this age that if we add Aaron Rodgers can we get to the Super Bowl um I personally don't think so but it certainly would put them into a playoff situation I think based on on talent and health um so it really depends if you're the Jets like what I guess at some point you have to figure if you're Robert Salah on that team what are you waiting for do you kind of hang around and get another mediocre type of journeyman quarterback like or are you going to try to get like a Derek Carr who would be an upgrade, but okay, you know, or just say, well, 
this is either going to work or we are going to go back to sucking after if this doesn't work. I'm kind of a, you know, if, if I'm if I'm a Jets fan, I might as well just just go for it. Let's have some fun. Get nuts. Right? The old George Costanza. Let's get nuts. Let's see what happens. Send him to New York. He loves the spotlight. He would love New York. Uh, last one for you. Got to ask you about Joe Thomas and his uh, induction into the Hall of Fame. This was a slam dunk home run. I think Joe Thomas goes down as one of, if not the best tackles to ever play in the NFL, Andy. But you were a guy that would have followed his entire career and all the time he spent with the Cleveland Browns. What were you thinking when you heard that news? Yeah, definitely a no-brainer. Loved it. Joe Thomas is one of the, um, by all accounts, is one of the nicest just people. Just guy positive. And it came out, too, he dealt with. He loved this team. This wasn't a guy who cashed a paycheck. And Tony Grossi, who I've interviewed multiple times, he's covered the, the Browns for 30-something years for ESPN in Cleveland and the local papers. Um, he said Joe Thomas they had a story earlier this year where he battled deep depression, like real anguish because the losing got to him. In 2007 was his rookie year. It's the first year uh, I also got to go down to a Browns game. Ten and six year, phenomenal. That was his only winning season. And he took it so, like, he almost had multiple nervous breakdowns during the, that 1-31 and campaign. And his last win was on Christmas Eve in 2016 when the Browns finished and went 1-15. and And then he lost and tore the tricep, and that was it. I have the Joe Thomas. I'm looking at it right now in my office. Autographed picture, Joe Thomas. I got the bobblehead. I was at the game where they opened the uh, displayed on the uh, in the Browns game the 10,363 consecutive snaps. The guy's an iron horse, workhorse. Loved the team. He said he just wished as a left tackle. He just says he wished he, he could have done more. There's only so much you can do as a left tackle, right? <laughs> yeah. You, you block the left side. Then what, what else can you do? So, but no, he is by all accounts and for many people, um, if not the greatest left tackle of all time, you know, right in the top two or three. Andy, you're the best. Thanks so much for hopping on today, man. Really do appreciate it. Take care. We'll chat with you again, I'm sure, uh, as the NFL offseason continues. But uh, make sure you check out Andy on Twitter, at AndyMC81, or check out the sick podcast hosted by Andy McNamara. Thanks again, pal. All right. Thanks, brother. Talk to you guys later. Take care. Andy McNamara joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar. Guest hotline joining all things Super Bowl. And now if we look uh, ahead to the uh, NFL's offseason, it's going to begin pretty quick here. And, uh, yes, well, the Chiefs, Come out victorious with another Super Bowl victory. Uh, things looking pretty good if you're an Eagles fan. They've got a top 10 pick. They've got a pick at number 30 as well to add some talent around that. And I wouldn't be surprised if they were right back into that conversation sooner than later. That wraps up uh, our only hour of Sportsnet today. Thank you to our outstanding producers, Cam and Taylor. Shout out to Pete Labardius and Andy McNamara for joining us today. We're getting out of the way for Flames Talk. It's a game day against the Senators. Your Flames coverage starts next right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.